I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. took my love and I took it down Climbed a mountain and I turned around And I saw my reflection in the snow-covered hills Till the landslide brought me down So this past spring, I was driving Chris's car and I got in a wreck about five minutes from our house. While I was going straight through a a green light in Old Town, someone to the left of me made a right turn straight into my car, or Chris's car. And so it seemed like it would be an easy insurance claim, right? Obviously, it's that guy's fault, which is good because I had to relay this information to Chris that his car that I was driving is now damaged and would have to go into the shop for multiple weeks and as the claim unfolded, we, we, we ended up finding out, though, that it, it wasn't so cut and dry and that I was actually in a turn lane, which makes determining fault more difficult. So you can imagine that made Chris and my conversation about this much more difficult as it became more and more unknown if the work being done on his car, his car, would be covered. So I was sharing all of this with the mechanic at the, at the shop, and I'll never forget what he said to me that day. He chuckled as I, I told him the story of we're still not sure who's, who's at fault, and, and this is my husband's car, and oh gosh, I sure hope we don't have to pay out because I'll never hear the end of it. And he said, you know, cars are easy. It's people who are hard. And as obvious of a statement as that was, I thought of him this week. I thought of that mechanic in his comment again this week as we, as we move into our third week of this sermon series called This Is Us, a series that is just about how there are so many things in life like cars that are easy, but people are hard. Relationships are hard, which is why it is, it's a really good thing that in the New Testament alone, there are 
59 commandments that say one another, one another, one another, 59 of them. We are told 59 times how to love one another, to listen to one another, to care for one another, to serve one another, to speak to one another. And so this is us. People are hard. Relationships are hard. But the good news is that, that we gather in a space like this today to worship a God who chose to become human anyway, even though people are that hard. A God who is inherently relational and chooses to be in relationship with us, even though redeeming those relationships in Jesus is the hardest thing God has ever done. And we, through this series, are putting this tool, the Enneagram, to work in our lives so that our lives might get mixed up with this God, this God, to get real with this God to get real with each other, and to get real with ourselves. And so I'm so glad that you're here today for this conversation. The first week we began with those relational triads, if you remember, the gut, the heart, and the head. The second week we dug into conflict in detail. It was a pretty long sermon last week. Props to those of you who hung, hung around. <laughs> We dug into conflict and those sins that so easily entangle us, anger and shame and fear and how they crop up in our lives through conflict for better or worse. And today, we're going to put the Enneagram to work again as it relates to perception and, and how perception is this barrier or can be this barrier to deeper connection. Which brings me to our scripture today. Did you hear it from the Apostle Paul as Zach read it for us? If you know anything about Paul, you might remember that his name was once Saul, before it was Paul, and he had this transformative conversion experience on the road to Emmaus, and he had this epiphany about who God is and who his neighbor is, and who is called by God and how he uniquely was called by God. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. And, and when he was Saul, he killed people for a living. So before you're too hard on yourself, know that the character we're talking about today used to kill people for a living on behalf of his faith. But we know him now, having had this epiphany that changed the way he was in relationship with God and his neighbor, and the way he understood himself, his eyes were, were open to all the sin and the junk and the brokenness in his life, and he decided to leave behind that way for a new way in Jesus. Did you hear it today? Paul, with his new understanding of God and his neighbor and how his neighbor receives and perceives him, and who was called to, to, be, to be a new human being in Christ, he says this, For though I am free from all, which, which is what we do, right, in our culture, it's my life 
I'm free to act how I want to act. I'm free to be who I want to be. I can do and act the way I want to, 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 to act. And if someone doesn't like it, that's their issue. That is their issue because this is me. Take me or leave me. Which is never true. Paul says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. See, one of the things that happens relationally among us is that we all want to be kings and queens of our own life. All of us. And when we're kings and queens, the people around us become like little subjects, right? And when people become subjects, we begin to live and move out of this understanding that we are free for all, free from all, and it's my life, and I can do and act as I want, and and someone doesn't like it, that's their issue. I'm just being me. This is the way I was raised. But Paul says, yes, 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 yes. Yes, I am free from all. Yes, I am free to do what I, whatever I want. I am a free human being. God has offered me free will. I can act whatever way I want to act. I can feel free to just be me and make anyone else's perception and experience of me their issue. Yes, I could do that. Or I could live into the way of Jesus that says yes. Though I am free from all to do and say whatever the heck I want to, I have been made in Christ a servant of all, that I might win more of them. Do you ever ask yourself, like, that question? Do you ever ask yourself this? When you're in relationship with others, do you ever ask yourself, do I want to win this person? Or do I want to win this conversation? Do I want to do I want this to be a positive relationship in my life and is this the way I am relating right now? The way I am coming across a sign of an investment for the long haul in this relationship and am, am I relating as as Paul says that I might win more of them? Most of us don't ever think like this, right? We never consider, consider these questions when we're in the heat of a conversation. We don't even think about, about where we want to go in a relationship. Do, do I want this to be a conversational win? Or do I want this to be a connectional win? Paul says, I make myself a servant of all so that I can win more of them. He said to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. He said to the Jews, I became a Jew to those under the law. I became one that is under the law, though I myself was not under the law, that I might win those under the law. Paul says, when I'm with Jews, I'm going, I'm going to act like, like Jews act. Paul says, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, myself not being outside the law, but under the law of Christ, which is to love God and to love people. Paul says, to the weak, I became weak so that I might win the weak. 
which we can read more into this, to the strong, I became strong so that I might win the strong. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And I do it. I forsake just being free from all to be a servant to all for the sake of the gospel that I might share and its blessing, which is always this wholeness of relationship with God and each other. I am my own person. I am a one, or I am a five, or I am a three, or I am an eight, but I am not just free for all that. I'm not just free from all the other stuff that, that I can be just me. I'm called to be a servant of the living God. Friends, if you, if you want to change your relationships, if you want to deepen your connections with others, you have to begin. have to begin not just with knowing yourself, but also having a heart to serve and reach people. I wonder today, do... Do your kids know the love of Jesus through you? Do people at work sense the love of Jesus through you? Would your spouse or your mom say they have witnessed the love of Jesus through you lately? Would the person you most disagree with or least understand right now say that still, still, they've witnessed the love of Jesus through you? If your posture in every relationship is to be free from all, this is just how I was raised. This is just who I am. I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to say it how it is. Know that Jesus today wants to make you a servant of all so that you might win all. Jesus wants to help you change the way you relate. The good news is that the Apostle Paul was not good with people at all. In fact, he was horrible with people. He killed them before he met Jesus. But serving people and reaching people and winning people and saving people and listening to people and trying to understand people became his legacy with Jesus. And it all began with Paul's understanding and attention to how he was perceived by others. And forsaking his ego and his own freedom, he became a servant of all. If we want to improve our connections, we have to understand that people are different from us, and that's okay. In fact, that's, that's beautiful. And if we believe that that's beautiful, that, that people being different from us is beautiful, that the diversity of God's creation is beautiful, we have to care and we have to prioritize the way people receive us and experience us if we are truly aiming to not just be free from all, but to be a servant to all. 
besides what you may have heard or what you tell yourself, the way people perceive you is not their issue. It's yours. The way people receive you is not their issue. It's yours. The way people receive me is not, is not their issue. It's, it's mine. And if I desire to be a servant of all so that I can win all, I have to start paying attention to that. One of the biggest hindrances to relationship, one of the biggest hindrances to deeper connection is the fact that so many of us are completely oblivious to the way others receive us. We're so busy being little kings and queens, putting on our crowns of our own little kingdoms, and we're so interested in what we're saying and what our number is and how much that validates who we've known ourselves to be all along. The good news is that, that the Enneagram, like scripture, can help us here. Scripture says, though you are free from all, Jesus is calling you to be responsible to all, which means you've got to know yourself and you've got to know how people perceive you. And so let's talk about perception in the Enneagram today. Starting with the eight. Let's start with the eight again. I know eights, you always think I talk, I talk about you first because you're, you're easy to, to gang up on. No, that's not why. We're starting with the eight because it's the first number of the gut triad. Starting with the eight, if you're an eight, it is quite possible that you have already said to in your mind during this sermon, or perhaps even out loud during this sermon, but I don't care how people perceive me. I honestly don't care, which is a gift, eights. It's a gift that allows you to be free from so much junk that the rest of us have in us, that you don't care how people perceive you. It's a gift to be free from all, free from all that guilt and that pressure and that anxiety. It's what, it's what leads to one of the things I love most about eights, that they, that they don't talk about you behind your back. They tell you to your to your face how they feel or what they're feeling or what they're thinking. But it's while this attitude of I don't care what people think is a gift that allows you to be free from so much of the junk that the rest of us are bound up in, it will fail you in seeking to be a servant of all. It's, this is a crucial, a crucial step, a crucial thing you must see in a deeper, to make deeper connections with the people around you. This is crucial to following Jesus for you. And it's one of the hardest things for an eight. If, this, if you're an eight, this is probably not news for you. People often receive you as intimidating and combative. Eights down deep, you are beautiful people of justice and protection and loyalty and leadership. Amazing leadership skills. But often you don't know how scary you are, how scary you can be. 
And if you don't learn to check your volume eights, you're going to lose relationships. You're going to drive people away. And so though you are free from all, free from even caring what people think of you, God wants to make you a servant of all by softening your expression to match how soft and beautiful we know your heart is. Now nines are peacemakers. You're not like the eights. We don't receive you as intimidating or combative, but we do. We do often receive you as, experience you as stubborn. You won't attack, but you also won't move. I was doing marriage counseling a few years ago with a woman who was a nine. It was so frustrating because the argument of the week was that her husband had bought her this perfume and, and she refused to wear it. And so I asked, do you not like the smell of the perfume? What's wrong with the perfume? And she said, no, I like it. Then why won't you wear it? Because he can't make me do it. All, all right, nines, all right. Um, so obviously the perfume became a tiny expression of a much larger issue. But nines, you're, we perceive you as stubborn, as unmoving. You won't fight, but you also won't move. You nod yes, but inside you're like, no, never. When pigs fly, when hell freezes over. You're stubborn, and because of this nines, people can perceive you as lazy. Like they have to ask you a million times and they get no answer. And nines, though you may be free from all to plant your feet and to not move when you don't want to do and no one can make you do it, Jesus is wanting to make you a servant of all so that you might win all that God has for you. Next, we have our ones. And ones we know you mean well. You want to make the world a better place, but to the rest of us, it, it just feels critical. We perceive you as critical. We begin to think that we'll never be good enough for you. So if you're my boss, I just tune you out eventually. If you're my spouse, I just stop listening. If you're my parent, I can't wait to move out. We perceive you as critical and legalistic because... While, while rules and regulations make you so comfortable, we perceive you as often using them as weapons against us. But once Paul said that to those not under the law, he became as one not under the law so that he might win more of them. This may be exactly what it looks like for you ones to not just be free from all, but to be the servant Jesus is calling you to be. Twos are helpers. Moving into the heart triad. You love to serve. 
and it's fantastic, and we need you, and we really like you, generally. But we will never be able to serve and give as much as you serve and give. And when you realize that, we perceive you as, as prideful. To the point where it doesn't feel like you're doing it for others anymore. It, but rather just to make you yourself feel better. We perceive you as prideful and pushy. And your care, it stops flowing out of this place of generosity and more out of this desire to have it your way. And if you're a two and you're unhealthy, the reason your kids won't, won't grow up is because you won't let them. The reason your, your wife won't change is because you won't allow her to. And, and you will find yourself in codependent after codependent after codependent relationship because your need to be needed makes you surround yourself with weak people. Twos, you may be free from all to love and serve in crazy proportions that we, can ever, we can't ever match. But maybe releasing others of the expectation you have on them to reciprocate that is what it looks like for you to be a servant of all. Now threes, my achievers, I'm a three. Oh threes, you know how people perceive us? As exaggerating and attention seeking. Threes, we have this need to be at the center of attention, to be the best in the room. And you know what that feels like to others? It feels like there is, is no room for them. It feels suffocating. We can come across as attention-seeking, sucking all the air out of a room. And, and what that means is that anyone with talents or opinions or, or emotions, they just all kind of feel like they fade away because we're over here like, look at me, I've got the best opinion. Everybody listen to me. If you're a parent and you've got a kid just doing stupid, look at me kinds of stuff all the time right now, Maybe there are three. And we ask, we ask threes often. I'm, I was asked this as a, as a child, uh, you know, if everyone jumped off a cliff, would you do it? And we're like, as long as it's on social media and everyone thinks I reached the bottom first and successfully, yes. Yes, I would do it. Threes, you are abounding in hope and inspiration, and you are incredibly motivational, which makes you a great leader. Threes, you are, are free from all to be inspiring and motivating and center of the stage personality types. But if you're not dragging others on stage with you, if you're not muting yourself to lift up the gifts and successes of others, you are worshiping a straw idol of yourself and not the God of Jesus Christ who is calling you to be a servant of all.
fours are romantics, are individualists. You are creative. You are deep. You feel deeply and there's nobody like you. Nobody. But here's how you come across. When you're unhealthy and, and, and tired, you come across as emotional and dramatic and just negative. And I know it's not all your fault. Being, being bent towards the negative is rampant in our culture, right? That's why the news is always bad and never good. And as human beings, we're always bent towards watching that news. We, we digest it. We have a hard time praising and celebrating the good things. But if you're a four, this is exceptionally true for you. And it's how others can perceive you as this emotional person on steroids. And fours, you, you've gotta watch, you've gotta watch out for who you're spending time with. Because fours love to just get together and get dark together. You don't know what real pain is, I do. No one's been more depressed than I have been. And fours, we need you. We love you. You are beautiful, but we just don't know sometimes where you're going to go. Because when you say we need to talk, we know we're going to be there for a while and we've got to prepare ourselves emotionally for how draining it's going to be for the rest of us. And you are free from bearing those emotions. You are free from, from hiding them. But, but maybe, maybe fours, to be a servant of all, you must learn to navigate how much of a weight that can be for those who love you. Next um, are fives. Look, fives, you are brilliant. We get it. You're smarter than the rest of us. You, you study things longer than the rest of us. Your spiritual gift is wisdom. But you don't have to overwhelm us and over-the-top us at every meeting and party with all of the things you know. When we say we, we like your fish tank, we, we don't always need to know how it is composited and where the salt water came from. When you pour us a glass of wine, it can sometimes just be a glass of wine free from facts about Tawar and mouthfeel and the Rhone region of France. If you're a five, you know how you sometimes come across? You know how we perceive you as arrogant? You're often perceived as arrogant and, and detached kind of above the rest of what's happening. And you know how we feel around you because of how we perceive you that way? We can feel just stupid. I, I have almost non-existent five in me. Almost non-existent. You'll never leave a service that I have preached feeling stupid. <laughs> But fives, the Lord, the Lord's blessed you with wisdom. But is it wise at all if you make others feel dumb? 
Fives, we know you need to be free from all to read your books and to do your research and to sit in silence and to reflect and to obtain your knowledge. But maybe being a servant of all looks like relating rather than informing and, and allowing someone else to be the expert sometimes or the smartest person in the room sometimes. And then we've got you sixes, the loyalist or sometimes called the skeptic. Sixes, don't worry, I will be gentle. I know you're already afraid. Look, I love sixes. I'm married to a six. I love sixes. Sixes are great friends. But, but you can scare us in a whole other way then a whole other way from, from the way that eights scare us. Sixes, you can come across as untrusting and anxious. And because you're a six, you're a loyalist, so you want, you want to, to stick around. You want to be there. You want friendship and connection more than most of the rest of us do, actually. But when we perceive that you don't trust us, that you're inherently skeptical of us, or your anxiety is palpable but not fully articulated or self-realized, your worst fear can become your greatest reality and you can push us away. Sixes, you are free to plan ahead and to anticipate all that can go wrong and to operate just in case. But maybe, maybe being a servant of all for you can look like finding faith in the unknown and believing the best of and the best in the people around you. In, in, the, in the institutions around you, in the church. And sevens, finally sevens. Our sevens are thinking, good God, these other numbers are so lame. Or finally the cool number, sevens. Sevens, do you know how you come across? And I know you're, what you're thinking to yourself. Yes, we know how we come across. We're fun and we're exciting and we are thrilling. People like us. Yeah, well, the word for us is sometimes overwhelming, sevens. Have you ever been on an airplane or at a sporting event with a seven and you're like, please, please just sit down. Please sit down. Can you just sit? Can you just sit? Why do you keep moving? Enthusiast sevens are, are sevens you can come across as kind of overwhelming, as, as a lot to take sometimes. I might have a little seven in me, a lot of seven in me. Sevens, we can come across as overwhelming and a lot to take. And then sevens, there's this weird pivot. This is where it gets rough for you. When things aren't thrilling, aren't exciting, aren't how you expected them to be, when things get hard, sevens, you can come across as defensive and often flighty. When life and relationships are hard and when things get messy and when confrontation happens, sevens, 
we can experience you as hard to rely on, hard to rely on to weather the storm and to see it through. And so while you are free from intensity and seriousness and drama and conflict, while you are free to find the good in life and explore the exciting things and run after the adventures and the dreams, maybe Seven's being a servant of all looks like hunkering down in a hard conversation and seeing a friend through the most painful part of life and making sense of hardship, not just running from it. Paul says, though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant of all so that I may win more of them, so that I can make deeper connections, so that I can have lasting relationships, so that I can win all, love all, understand all, so that, that I can participate in the gospel of Jesus Christ and its blessings. And this is why it's so important to care about how others receive you. This is why it's so important to seek and ask for honest feedback from those you trust and respect. Honest feedback about how people perceive you. Honest feedback about your approach. Honest feedback about what others experience in and of and through you. I wonder, I wonder, who are the people who are real with you? Honest with you? And this is why common tables are so important. Y'all know I'm in a common table, right? I wrote the sermon. I know what it's about. I know the Enneagram. I studied the scriptures in Greek and Hebrew. I'm the one who drives the content of the church that leads to deeper conversation in common tables. And I'm still a part of a common table. Every two weeks, I, I'm still at common table. And you know why? Because, because I don't got it all together. It's one thing to preach the truth. It's another thing to live it relationally. And hearing this once on Sunday, but not living it out in relationship and in community, and then going, I'm good, I'm good. I'll tell you, you are not good. You are not good. You're not good without real and honest community. Lady Wisdom in, in the Old Testament, in Proverbs, says it like this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy. And our dear Apostle Paul says it similarly. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the accuser. Put on the full armor of God, which is honest relationship, real conversations. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the accuser. So what does that accuser, that, that voice, tell you, friends? What does that accuser, which is an enemy of healthy relationships and deep connection and propels you into relational responses that lead to unhealthy perceptions of you from those you want to be closest to, what does that accuser tell you? I wonder. I wonder what goes through your mind. What does that, what does that voice tell you? Maybe it says, says no one will ever get you, eights, nines, ones. Maybe it says no one will ever love you, twos, threes, fours. Maybe it says no one is ever going to understand you, fives, sixes, and sevens. 
And then compare that with what God wants for you. And then compare that with what God wants for you. For for though you are free from all and for all, the God in Jesus Christ is calling you to be a servant of all so that you might win more of them. I offer this to you in the name of God the Father, the name of Christ his Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me today? God, we have believed lies, many of us. The first lie that it is my life, I can be who I want to be. The second lie is that how people people take me is their issue, not mine. The, the, the third and the fourth and, and the fifth lie, they're that no one's ever going to get me. No one's ever going to love me. No one's ever going to understand me. And so that's why I'm free, God, to be me. And that's why I don't need to worry about what others think of me, how others receive me. But the God in Jesus says, you are free so that you may humble yourself and serve. God, you are calling us to be servants of you, servants of the living God, which requires complete transformation to become new human beings, to take part in the gospel and to to reap its blessings. And its blessings are wholeness of relationship, God, with you and with with each other that can only flow out of a space where we are constantly willing to be molded and made into who you are calling us to be. And so, God, though we are ones, we ask that you make us a servant. Though we are threes, we ask that you make us a servant. Though we are fives, we ask that you make us a servant. Though we are eights, we ask that you make us your servant, God. Not I, but Christ through me. We pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Friends, I invite you into a posture of giving now. This next song that you'll hear is, Is yet not I, though I am free from all, I will be a servant for all. Yet not I, but through, but Christ through me. Would you sing? Would you give? Would you pray? Would you worship the God who calls you into servanthood today? Well, I've been afraid of changing. 
build my life around you. But time makes you bolder. Children get older, and I'm getting older too. There is peace at the table of the Lord. There is peace.